I know you're getting sick of me, so good news. This is the last talk of the retreat, at least that I'm giving, so. Um, I'm super grateful, super duper grateful to have been with you guys. And, um, and I pray that God would move in our souls to draw to him, to love him, to pursue him. There are some of you here who are like really, really on fire for Jesus. You want to serve Jesus and that's your heart's desire. And I'm grateful for you. And there are some of you here who are just new to the, you know, the team. And you're just like, yo, this is cool, man. And I want to grow in Christ. And then there are some of you here who are still wondering, um, still wondering if, if Jesus is for you. I'm just so grateful for all of you. All of, whichever category you fall into, I'm grateful for all of you. And I'm going to ask Jesus to help us, even though we've prayed and sung and prayed. I'm going to pray again and ask Jesus to help us. Um, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, for this retreat. Thank you for the leadership, for Pastor Aaron and his leadership and his elders and the sacrifices that were made to make this retreat happen. And, and so, Lord, would you just move powerfully during this time together? Would you make your word come alive and help us? Help us to recognize how desperately we need you. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I had planted the church, the Recovery House of Worship, with my friend Ray. And we got to a moment where I was really right and he was really right. And because of, because of my foolishness and my pride, I split the church. It's like one of the worst things you can do. The Bible talks about how unity, I have to protect the unity of the church. And I split the church and I just said, you're wrong and you're going in the wrong direction. And I, and I couldn't allow myself to hear him. I couldn't allow myself to think that I was wrong I couldn't allow myself to think that he was right. I said, you're wrong, and I split the church, and I caused disunity, and people chose, some people chose him, and some people chose me, and we kept the ship running, and it was just such a devastating time in my ministry. And we tried to, we tried, we, in essence, what we did was we lied to everybody. We were like, no, this is just a church plant, and he's gonna plant another church. But that was a total lie. We, were, we couldn't stand each other. And he went off and we planted something in uh, Williamsburg and down by Graham Avenue. I wonder if I'm the only one who has, through his pride, destroyed a relationship and hurt others in the process. even though that happened so many years ago and we came back together in 2012 and publicly repented, that's not the last time I've done that. I can do it with my wife. I can do it with my kids. I can do it with my leaders. I mean, I do it recreationally. I am prideful naturally. And so God knows 
if you're anything like me, that we're going to struggle with pride. Struggle, meaning, when I say pride, what I mean is, we're going to struggle with having our own way. That's the kind of pride I'm talking about. Having our own way. And so, because God knows that you and I are going to struggle with this, he's, he gives us this precious word of his. And in Philippians chapter 2, interestingly enough, Paul, the apostle that we've talked about in Ephesians, he wrote a super angry letter, like the kind that, like, have you ever wrote a bad email and then press send and went like, <laughs> later on? That was the book of Galatians. It's one of those super angry letters where he went, enter, and it was like, oh, that was a rough one. Um, but and then he wrote this letter, and it's like full of joy and love with this church at Philippi. And he gives them the secret of being unified. He gives them the secret of walking together even though they were diverse, even though they were different, even though they weren't the same, even though they weren't. He gives them a way that they could not just be a congregation that gathers for one day a week, but how they could come together and do life together, sharing each other's burdens. Now, this is so important. What we're going to read today is so important because you're going to find yourself coming into community, whether it's your small group or bigger environments like this, and you're going to want to be known, and you're going to want to know others. You want to grow in intimacy with your friends. And I promise you, as you grow in intimacy with your friends, there are going to be things that, that are not going to go your way. And so what do you do as a church? What do you do as a congregation? What do you do as a person when you find that you can't have your way? Well, if you're like the rest of the American church, you just find yourself another church. You find yourself in another church until they're mostly like you, and then when you find out that they're not going to do your way, you leave, and you do it all over again. And I want you to avoid that. I want you to stay put and go through the pain and the difficulty and the stress of doing life together. So God gives us this passage. It's in Philippians chapter 2. It is my favorite chapter in the entire Bible because I need it so bad. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. I'm just going to read the whole thing. I just want it to wash over us, and then we'll talk about it. And I'll be quick because you guys, oh my goodness, I've been talking to you. You guys got it. You know, he's like, yeah, enough of the Puerto Rican guy. Um, <laughs> all right. So therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. It doesn't even need an explanation, right? It just needs, how do I apply this? Because this is so clear. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common uh, sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. What Paul is talking about simply is that when we come to Christ, when we come to Christ, we experience the most profound sense of humility that the universe has ever witnessed. Think about this. Perfect, holy, spotless God comes to have deep, profound relationship with broken, fallible, mortal man. It's mind-blowing. Jesus is going to condescend to be with us Taking the burden of sin, because there's no way we could have relationship with Jesus without him first taking the burden of our sin. He takes it, so he does everything to make the relationship happen, and then he leaves his hands open and say, do you want, do you want this relationship? And some of us say yes, and some of us say no. He does absolutely everything. He's the God creator of the universe. He's perfect in every way. He pays the penalty for our sins. He does everything possible to create relationship. Then he opens the door and he says, would you walk in? And some of us do and some of us don't. And he says, and Paul says, if you've received this beautiful God, who would do everything in order to have relationship with you? Who would sacrifice his comfort? Who would sacrifice everything to be with you. If you've received any joy, any comfort, any benefit, then Paul says, make my joy complete. And not only receive from Jesus what he gives, but let Jesus flow through you in giving that same love, compassion, and mercy to others. He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He says, by being like-minded. In other words, not everybody thinking the same, not everybody, but everybody thinking this, not everybody being the same and, you know, you, you have, you dress in your Christian way, you have your Christian songs, you do, not that, but that we would be like-minded and that God is going to be glorified here. It's not about my, what happens for my comfort, whether I like it, whether the music is this way or the music is that way or the, or the teaching is this way or the teaching, no, 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 no. it's Jesus famed because that's what we want. We want to be like-minded in this, that Jesus would be lifted high. having the same love, the same love that Jesus gave for his people, I'm going to have for Jesus' people. What kind of love did Jesus have? Well, it was a kind of a sacrificial love. It was a kind of a burden love. It was a kind of laying down your life for your brother love. That kind of love. 
being one in spirit and of one mind. And then he goes on, he goes, hey, let me tell you what's going to prevent you from doing this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. In fact, <laughs> next time if you, if you have like a, if you have a, a good friend or a spouse and you're having a fight, the next time you're having a fight with somebody that you love, tell them this. You, you know why we're having this fight? You know why we're having this fight? Because you are not giving me my way. Because that's why you're having the fight. Because you're not getting your way. And so Paul says, don't live out of selfish ambition. Don't live out of vain conceit, but rather out of the Spirit of God who has died, laid down his life for you. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. C.S. Lewis said that humility is not a pretty girl thinking she's ugly or a smart boy thinking that he's dumb. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Make sense? That it's, it's not putting yourself as the center of your intention, motivation for doing everything that you do. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of, as Christ Jesus. He's going to bring us back to how he started us. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So when you realize what Christ has done for you, when you sit and meditate on that, let that overflow to each other. Whether it's you're hearing someone's confession or you're serving with someone and they're not doing it exactly the way you would. Whether others are not growing in the way that you think that they should. And whatever it is, as long as you're exilic church under the banner of Jesus Christ, would you put the needs of the others rather than your own needs? And you go, I can't do that. I know I can't do that. This guy here, I can't do that. I, I, it's hard for me if I want to eat like Mexican and my family wants McDonald's. It takes a strong act of prayer for me to go, oh God, help me to be humble in this and go with the McDonald's thing and not the Mexican. I'm telling you, it's crazy how petty I can get over the smallest things. And so Jesus goes, Ed, how did I respond to you in your needs? And the answer is obvious, right? What did Jesus do? Jesus sacrificed his comfort. That's what this passage is saying. Who was in very nature God. By the way, if you're here and you go, yeah, you know, Jesus is like a good person, but he's not like God. All right, let me just say this. If Jesus was a good person or a good teacher or like a sage counselor, like if he was like the other religious leaders of the world, he wouldn't have said what he said. Like, 
no matter what you think of me, you might go, hey, Edwin was a good teacher. Let's just imagine you left here and you said, Edwin was a good teacher. You certainly wouldn't leave that way if I said, guys, do me a favor. Pray to me. Worship me. When you pray, when you sing these songs, sing them to me. You wouldn't go, that guy is a great teacher. You know what you go? You go, Aaron, were you smoking crack when you invited this guy? Because he's crazy. We're not supposed to praise him. We're supposed to only worship God. Jesus is God come in the flesh. If you want to know what God thinks about you, follow Jesus. God comes down in the flesh and he leaves his comfort because you're so broken and you're so distant that there was no way that you could make your way back to God. And if Jesus laid down his life and sacrifice himself, then wouldn't it be a good idea for us to do that with one another? The reason, the re- uh, not the reason, but the, the ramification of Jesus laying down his life for each one of us is that you and I get to have intimacy with God. We can, no longer does God look at me as the failure. No longer does God look at me as the loser and the sinner and the guy who falls. When God looks at me, he looks at me through the lens of his son. Wouldn't it be something, Exilic Church, if you looked at each other through the lens of the Son of God? That you would say, you know what, he's a hot mess. He's doing all sorts of sin. But I remember, I remember when I was living like that. I, or maybe you weren't living like that. And he goes, you know what, what that guy needs more is the love of Christ. God, would you help me to get comfortable with being uncomfortable? Would you help me to be comfortable with being uncomfortable? Would you help me to love more than I feel like I have? Would you help me to forgive more than I think I can? Would you help me to serve more than I think I can serve? Would you help me to be comfortable with being uncomfortable? Churches that are comfortable with being uncomfortable, mighty things happen in them. When no one else is jockeying for position, when no one else cares who got the credit, when no one else cares who's at the front, the church can see God do incredible things. I'm telling you, people are attracted to humility. It also functions within the context of your family. Within the context of your family, whether it's mother, father, husband, wife, sister, brother, I've never seen humble and humble have a knockdown, drag out fight. I've never seen it. And I've been doing ministry for a long time. I've seen proud and militant have terrible fights. I've seen arrogant and foolish have awful fights. But I've never seen humble and humble have knockdown drag outs. I've never seen humble and humble have splits in the church. I've never seen humble and humble get a divorce. Because when you recognize that any sin that anybody commits, that any time anybody falls, even if they're your leaders, 
And they come to you and they say, I've blown it. But you've created this environment where it's like, no, no, no. Your attitude is going to be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant. You are not perfect, whoever fell. You're not perfect, but you're loved. You're not perfect, but you're forgiven. And we're going to walk with that so that we could, this could be a church where the masks are gone. Where we could come in and go, okay, so I struggle with pornography. I struggle with cutting myself. I struggle with a relationship that I shouldn't be in. I struggle with a relationship that I just, that we could just be broken before each other. Don't you get it? The person sitting next to you is so bad that the king of the universe who knows everything couldn't think of another way to bring him towards himself. That's how bad the person sitting next to you is. And so if that's true, that's what God is inviting us to. He's inviting us to a church of little Christs. Little Christ who, while being loved and received by the Father, who wouldn't put their rights in front of their responsibilities. Who wouldn't think of themselves so much that they couldn't lay down their lives for their brother and sister. Brothers, sisters, this is the kind of church that people would break the doors down to go to. Be the church who says, Jesus, I want you to love, I want you to love this church like you love me. And I want you to love this church through me like you love me. And coming up to him and say, God, I don't have that kind of love, so you're going to have to do it. My prayer is that your attitude would be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, who didn't hold on to his rights, but moved towards a responsibility that he felt he had. What would it look like? What would it look like if this church was so safe that someone could come in and go, okay, so I'm, ki I'm kind of gay and I'm struggling with my sexuality, and I don't know that that's a sin or not. Is that okay? Can I come in here? Can you love me? Can you walk me through the gospel? What kind of a church would it be? Yup, I've been leading this small group, and I've totally blown it. I've been living in secret in this area of my life. And it might be that the most loving thing we do at that point is going, okay, let's take this responsibility. Maybe Maybe what we need to do is take the time that you take for this responsibility and take that time to pray and worship and rest in Christ. Like, what would it look like in a church like Exilic to be so free that you know you could share your dirtiest, darkest secret and know that you're going to be loved and directed towards the truth of who Jesus Christ is? What would that be? I'm telling you. It would be a church, let me tell you what it would be. It would be a church with no secrets. It would be a church 
where people were, would be free to love each other and love Christ. It would be a church where we wouldn't have to look like we were trying to jump through hoops or wear the right clothes or act in the right way or say the right words, but that we could be free in Christ. It would be a church where other people would come to and go, I don't know if I believe like they believe, but I tell you, I like being around those guys. I'm telling you, it's beautiful. And so my prayer for you is that you would, the way of weakness is the way of humility, of moving forward, not with our rights, but with our responsibilities. Asking Jesus not to reinforce our rights, but to go, God, would you work through me what would bless the rest of this community? And that you would be a community that would try to outbless each other. That you would be a community that would try to outlove each other. Because you've been loved so beautifully and so thoroughly in Christ. Now, for those of you who don't know Christ, can I just plead with you right now? Listen to this again. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. The Bible is saying that you have a God. Those of you who know Christ, but those of you who don't know Christ, I want you to know this too. That there is a God who loved you so much that he'd rather die than let you go. And he says, good news. Are you really, really smart? Are you not educated at all? Do you have a lot of money? Are you poor as dirt? He said, I love you, and I lay down my life to have relationship with you, to forgive. Listen, all is pardoned. Everything that you've ever felt guilt about, everything that you've ever felt shame about, every wrong that you've ever done, he go, no, no, he can't, he can't possibly mean that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm the worst person in this room. I could prove it to you. And he forgives even the worst people. You go, oh, no, but I'm not like the worst person in the room. I'm like too good. I'm a good person on my own. I'm telling you, Jesus even died for crazy people who think that they're good. You go, Oh, no, 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 I'm good. No, no. Listen, give me, give me one minute, two minutes to prove that you're not good, right? Let's start with the most, let's start with the kindergarten level of like ethics. Can we start with like kindergarten level of ethics? Just to see, just for those of you who don't know Christ, I just want a quick quiz. And I'm going to shut it down after this. Maybe. I'm Puerto Rican, so I lie sometimes. So, <laughs> Ten Commandments are like ethics 101. Even if you don't believe in the Bible, you believe, hey, man, I shouldn't murder anybody. Most of us believe that, right? So let's just look at the, I shouldn't steal stuff, right? Most of us believe that. Okay. Let's look at the Ten Commandments. Let's just look at a few of them. 
just using that as our standard for ethics. Because most of us think that we're good and God will receive us because we're pretty good people. And I'm trying to prove to you that you're not a good person and this is why you need humility. I'm trying to help you to humble yourself before the Lord. So, t- 10 commandments. Quick few questions. Um, the, the, the Bible says, um, don't bear false witness. In other words, don't lie. Let me ask you something. By a show of hands, at any point in your life, have you ever lied? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just lied. Good news. Now you can raise your hand. Okay. Now watch this. What do you call a person who's lied one time? What do you call that person? There's a name for him. What? A liar. You go, nah, dude. You're going too far. I'm not a liar. You're not calling me a liar. Listen, listen. How many people do you have to kill before you're considered a murderer? Anybody know? Just one. How many lies do you have to tell before you're considered a liar? Anybody know? Just one. So remember, we think that we're good people and we don't need Jesus because we're good people. But one day, you and I are going to go before a holy, perfect, and pure God. And he's going to say, it's going to be like... What's the, on what basis do you expect to get to heaven? And you go, I'm a good person. Imagine you're before a, a holy good God and he goes to the kindergarten level of ethics and he says, have you ever lied? And he's like, oh, I'm a liar. What? Okay, that's one commandment. Let's look at another. Thou shalt not steal. Have you ever taken anything that doesn't belong to you ever in your life? A pen, a sweater, you know, from like a friend that you never, you know, say, you said you were going to borrow it, but you never gave it back. We call that stealing. Yeah. And so, okay, and if you've ever taken anything that doesn't belong to you, raise your hand. Come on, I know there's more of you. You just said you were a liar. So, okay, so watch this. Watch this. What do we call the person who steals one thing? Anybody know? No, nobody knows? It's a thief, right? Yeah. So let's see. We're before a holy, perfect God, and we're coming in the arrogant notion that we're good people, and we're liars and thieves. The Bible says... Uh, don't commit adultery. But Jesus took it one step further and he says, if you look at a person lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. Should we raise our hands on that one? Okay. What are you? You see where this is going? We're not good. You're before a holy, perfect, and pure God, and your basis for being in his presence is your goodness. And we just went through three of the Ten Commandments, and so far we're all up a creek without a canoe. You see, but Paul is talking, no, 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 humble yourself. Recognize your need for God. For those of you who don't know Christ, the God who would see that you are worse than you think. He sees your lies. 
He sees your thieving. He sees your lust. And he goes, you deserve death and separation of relationship with me. And God says, I got a better idea though. I'll take the punishment that you deserve and you take the blessing that I deserve. That's what he does. He gives it to you. Now, here's my question for those of you who haven't come to Christ or don't want to surrender or bow the knee. Let me ask you something. Are you too good for that? Are you too good for that? You go, nah, I don't need Jesus. Get out of here. You crazy. Just, just quit this. There's a creator of the heavens and earth. And he's communicating to us. And he wants to have relationship. And that there's a chasm between us. It's our sin. And you and I, we're sinners. So humble yourself and come to God. Humble yourself and say, God, here's the truth about me. I'm a liar. I'm worse than I think. I'm a thief. You know, right? We didn't even go to honor your mother and father. Really, everything you've ever said to your parents, everything you've ever said, who here has ever dishonored by lying to them or uh, disrespecting them? Or who here has dishonored their parents at any point in their life, right? It's like, guys, we're not good people, but we can be forgiven. And he gives us the forgiveness so that we don't have to walk in shame, but we can walk in the light of his forgiveness. If that's true, he offers that to you. If you don't know him, would you just come to him? Would you stop making excuses? If, if, imagine that. God, who would create the universe, would also create a way to have relationship with you and then give you everything you need to have that relationship why would you say no to that? When you come to Christ, he gives you at least these three things. He gives you so, so, so much more. But think about this. He gives you your sins forgiven. That means you and I never have to walk around with shame. And for me, that's really good news because I've done a lot of bad stuff. Never have to walk around in shame anymore. Whenever the devil reminds me of my past, I get to remind the devil of his future. I don't have to walk around with my shame anymore. Your sins are forgiven. He gives you a purpose for your life. That you would, with the church, grow to be more like Christ, loving and serving and laying down your life for others. It's a purpose for life. And then he's creating a place for you in heaven so that he could be with you forever. Think about that. Sins forgiven, purpose for living, and a place in heaven. He offers that to you. Don't say no to that. Don't turn away from that. For those of you who are in Christ, would I encourage you to pray and ask God, God, would you help me to love others like you've loved me? Let me experience your love and then flow that love. Again, not holding on to my rights, but moving towards my responsibilities responsibility to love and forgive and serve and lay down my life and sacrifice for you. Make that a prayer of your soul and find that in Christ, the only reason you can do that is because Christ already did that for you. So 
the way of the weak is walking in humility. And the way we walk in humility is we recognize how Christ has served us in every conceivable way. He who had everything gave up everything so he could have us. And that we might be able to do the same for each other. My prayer is that you walk in that level of weakness and in humility. Let me pray for you. God, it's so beautiful, the kind of forgiveness that you give, the kind of love that you give. And so, Lord, would you, in a very real way, would you make us a people who look to serve and love one another out of the overflow of how much you've served and loved us? Lord, my prayer is that Exilic Church would be a taste of heaven, like a down payment of the new heavens and the new earth. That there would be a sense of sacrifice, of love, that we would be comfortable with being uncomfortable, and that we would find our comfort in Christ. Make that true about each one of us. Make that part of the culture of this church and be glorified as we are loved by you and then overflow your love to others. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. It's been a super honor to be with you. Thank you for letting me share this time with you guys. God bless you.